Hey, my friends, you know who it is, your girl, Melinda Rackley, the inspiration engineer, and I'm so excited, and y'all know why, y'all already know, I am ready to share part two of the conversation of boundaries in parenting with our special guests, Derek Gibson and Michelle Kennedy, and of course, we have Mr. Sterling, the man with the questions that get your mind going. So listen, we are really diving deep into the importance of having having boundaries with your children and the importance of community. In part one, we left off with uh, Derek telling us the importance of having those people in place who can fill the gaps if you are a single mother or father. And right now, we're going to continue this conversation talking about trauma. We're going to talk about continuation of boundary setting and maintenance and everything that we need to know. And if you're anything like me and question if you are doing right on this parenting journey, then I'm sure this will help you as much as it helped me. So thank you again for tuning in to the Rise and Grow podcast with your girl, Melinda Rackley, the inspiration engineer. And here it is, part two of Boundaries in Parenting. this conversation because it does speak about the role of a community in 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 coming together and you know I don't I, I joined your conversation because I I, I love this con- this topic about boundaries but I don't have children of my own I've always been a teacher a professor uh, an uncle and all these children I try I treated as if they were mine but without having given birth to them of course, and such a privilege to be part of their lives as, you know, and what I've understood is that when no came from me, they, they drunk it up and they're like, yes, I love hearing no from you. Um, and I was saying the same thing as their parents. And for some odd reason, when it came from the man with the mustache, it was fine, right? And the other point was, um, I think is the, you know, I think it it's, uh, crosses genders and also cultures. So in my family, we're many cultures in our family, and I come from the French side of the family. And we're very touchy-feely. We talk about emotions all the time and food and music and poetry. And so when the children from the more uh, Germanic side were having issues with emotions, they would come to me, I would give them a hug, talk about their feelings, and together we were able to, um, you know, nourish this child in different ways. So I, I do agree with what I'm hearing is that we all come with gifts in this world, and we are asked individually to be there at different parts. But I really do appreciate the courage and the gift that it takes to be a parent. I really do. I, I have, I, I'm just in awe. I, I think I'd be a terrible parent because I wouldn't be able to let go. Um, I'm a good teacher, but I'm not sure I would be a good parent. Um, Mr. Sterling said, um, and I was writing it down, he talked about the community. And I think when our community, and this is what I wrote, community boundaries. Everyone has to understand our boundaries. And that way, so he talked about saying no. He knew no because he understood the boundaries of the parents. And so even as parents, I think it's important 
that those that are a part of our village and our community understand the boundaries that we have set for our children. Because then I think that's where the danger, if you will, or the uh, teeter-totter comes in. You know, um, Mackenzie has a bad time here with daddy and granny. When she goes to my house, she when, when she goes to my mom's house, she has a bedtime because they understand my boundary and the purpose for that boundary in her life. So I think that that was so key and, and you know, paramount that everybody that's in this community, if you will, yes. that that's helping in this village. We understand the boundaries of the parent. You you might not agree with it. You might not like it. But if they understand and respect our boundaries, it, it helps when they inject their part um, as as a caregiver or somebody who helps support with the with the children. Mm, I love that. I love that. And I just want to say, Mr. Sterling, I think you will be a phenomenal dad. So if you ever come on to Florida, you have a place here. <laughs> For me, I experienced some trauma in my life as a child. And Mr. Sterling, you said something so amazing at the end as you were talking. Um, sometimes I have a hard time letting my daughter go into the village because of that trauma that I've experienced. And it's like, no, I got to watch you at every moment, every second, because I don't want you to experience what I experienced. No, you know, I feel like I'm healed from it, but I still don't want you to experience it. So I'm going to watch you. I'm going to keep my eyes on you. I'm, I know what you're doing, when you're doing it, who you with, what time you're going to be there. It takes 10 minutes to get there. You took 10.2 seconds, you know? <laughs> so it's like, how do you deal with uh, a case where yes, you have a community and you know, they're good people, but your personal trauma creates these walls that don't have doors to allow the community in. So I will say um, the trauma that's not healed is transferred. Mm. Okay. I like that. I like that. Look, that was a drop the mic moment right there. Right. I, I had to let her sit that for a moment. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because, so I do this workshop that's called um, Mama Daddy Issues. And there's a diagram that I do called Where Did It Come From? Where we do a walkthrough of your struggles and your strengths and your parents' struggles and strengths. And I promise you, I've done it probably with a hundred people and 99.99999% of the people will find out their struggles have been inherited. Like there's some things that we do. We either run to or run from who they are and both ends of the spectrum it's dangerous because when we run from what they are, it's always to um, an unhealthy level. Like if you felt that you were not um, protected, you overprotect your children. If you feel that um, you were not loved, you overlove them. And yes, there is uh, a way to overlove your children. Yeah. Uh, if you if if your mom was someone who uh, 
someone who had bad spending habits, uh, they're going to show up unless there's something that's done to interrupt it. Mm. And the narrative become changed. That's why we need therapists and life coaches. Mm, I like that. I like that. I like that to interrupt that and change the narrative. Yeah. I like that. I, and I want, I, this is one of the things I wanted to say, because this was what I, I wrote down to say when I was breaking up. Uh, and Mr. Derek has said that um, about when you're parenting multiple children um, and how are you able to um, set the boundaries for multiple people? Um, when you think about in our lives, like you have one daughter, but you carry multiple roles. So you've got to be able to be interchangeable in how the role looks to who you're dealing with. So for my children, I said to them, I'm never going to tell you I love you the same, but I love you according to how you need me to love you. We get in trouble when we try to give everybody the same stuff because it's not what's needed. Like I have, um, I have one son. Um, I, I'd be trying to figure out where he come from because like we, he grew up in past in a house of pastors and he became a thug. I'm like, where did you learn this from? Uh, <laughs> uh, so there were certain ways that I had to, to attend to him that my middle son, like in, uh, kindergarten wanted to wear dress shoes to church. So there was like a different way I had to deal with him. I mean, dress shoes to school, like, son, you cannot wear them church shoes with that school uniform because for him, everything about him all his life was ministry. Mm -hmm. But what I did discover is that my oldest son, he wanted the Jordans. He wanted the name brands. My middle boy, as long as it's clean, ironed, uh, he okay. So if my oldest son got in trouble, it was bring me them Jordans. If my middle boy got in trouble, it was, I'm not getting your haircut this week. A haircut of $10 weighed heavier to him than a $200 pair of Jordans. Because we've got to figure out what the boundaries are needed for that person. And that's how we have to move in our lives. Um, even the Bible says that... Um, if eating meat around your brother offends them, don't eat meat around them. So there are some things that you are okay with doing in the presence of some people that you cannot do in the presence of others. That doesn't make you fake. That makes you wise. So when it comes to your children, there are some things that you can do with and for one child that you could never do with another. So loving people according to what they need and not what we want to give. I digress. <laughs> and I love that. That's so true because I think a lot of times, even with like my nieces and nephews or even my brothers and sisters, I'll try to love them according to the way I want to and not the way that they need it, their personality. You know, I my brothers are totally different and the way that they need love and care is totally different. You know, my brother Dwight, I could call him and Kiki and laugh and play and we're good to go. Whereas my brother Dwight, you know, I mean, my brother, yeah, my brother Nesco, 
he would do something different. Like we'll go bowling and he'll teach me how to throw a ball. I know how to throw a ball, but he want to show me. So I'm going to let him show me. You know, it's so different the way that they both show love and the way that I have to give them love. You know, that's such a good point. Thank you for sharing that. I see your hand. Yes, yes, sir, Mr. Sterling. I look forward to these questions. I'm like sitting up. I'm ready. I know, right? (laughs) So uh, here's a challenging question. Um, I've been hearing about boundaries and the relationship between boundaries and punishment. And if I, I, I'd like to bring another um, element to that, which is that of shame. So boundaries, punishment, and shame, as opposed to guilt. So if a child does something they're not supposed to, or that goes against the boundaries, how do you suggest to go about so as to foster self-esteem as opposed to shame when it comes to respecting the boundaries or accountability for the boundaries that have that need to be repaired oh that's a good one so i so this is just the my the way i think I, so like there's some things that you do you should be shamed for um, but there's a way to do it in a way that's loving because what shames one person won't shame the other. I'm going to give you an example. So my boys, uh, oh my God, and it just hit me. So my oldest son called himself going to cut my youngest son's hair. And it just hit me that ironically a year ago, he became a barber. <laughs> So um, I made him wear a half a haircut for a week to church and everything because I knew as, as hurtful and as shameful as it was, he would set a boundary that I'm not going to allow anyone to do something like this to me again. So in that case, yeah, it was, it was embarrassing, but it taught him a very valuable lesson. Now, my oldest son, if I had done that to him, it would have had no effect on him. He'd have been like, just go ahead and cut it off. I wear a bald head because that type of stuff just doesn't matter to him. So I really think that it depends on who it is, because what shames one person won't shame another. But at the end of the day, one of the mantras that I live by is a quote by uh, Teddy Roosevelt that says, um, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And when your discipline of a person um, is done in love, like some of the things I I, I, I created as, as culture for... Um, my team is truth without love is brutality. So it's a way that you can do everything when it's done in love. And I think that that is the key thing. I know, um, actually, that was one of the things in the chapter that we read this week. um, And it talked about punishment versus discipline. And and it talked about how um, punishment is payment for wrongdoing. Punishment doesn't leave room for practice. 
But when we discipline, and I love that, that you said discipline with love. Um, I, I work in the school system and there are times when we have to discipline. And my mindset is to discipline with dignity. Mm-hmm. I can still discipline you, and but it has to be disciplined with dignity. And, and this is what the book says. It says, discipline is an external boundary designed to develop internal boundaries in our children. Mm. When we punish them, there's no room for practice because ultimately the purpose of this boundary is that you grow and mature and the parameters of this boundary change. When something happens or goes awry or wrong, there has to be some type of discipline that will cause something to happen in you internally. So it's not just, oh, I don't um, want to break this boundary for the sake of mama going fuss or I'm going to get in trouble. But if I go against this boundary, something should be happening internal as a result of the discipline that takes place. Mm. I like that. I like that. And, and I guess, you know, this is such a great conversation. And, and that's that like the discipline and the punishment. It's, it's such a, a fine line. I think I might have talked about it when we were on our last call of when we were out of town <laughs> and I had to make a, a, a boundary instead of create a punishment for, you know, the way that my daughter was was behaving. And it's like learning how to uh, discipline her and still keep her dignity intact, still leave her feeling confident, still leaving her in a place that she feels good telling me what's going on with her and saying yes or no, or, you know, letting me know what's going on with her. It's a new, it's a whole new world, a little bit different than what I was raised in because I was raised in what I say goes, no back talk, you know, do what I say, <laughs> no matter what I do, you do what I say, you know, so it's a different, a different space. And I think Sometimes for me, I get exhausted. Like, I don't know how people have more than one child because my <laughs> one child is exhausting every ounce of my energy sometimes, you know? And I'm, I'm like, how do you maintain all these boundaries that are needed, you know, still thrive, care for yourself, do what you need to do in the world and keep it together? Like, how do you maintain these boundaries as a parent and keep it all together. Because I promise y'all, last night I was about to call her grandparents, her uncle, her cousins, her anybody. Come pick up this child. She come with clothes, food. I give you a monthly stipend. Come get this child, you know. But it's, you know, how do you keep it together when you're parenting and trying to implement boundaries and create this world and do what you know needs to be done, even if it's something that you didn't learn as you were growing up? I think um, a lot of it has to do with self-discipline. Oh, girl, I don't got none of that. I'm learning that now. I'm learning it now. <laughs> this is coming from a person who will stay up to 3 a.m. finishing a project when I should have been done at 2. <laughs> Look, Miss Get You Together has entered the building. Oh, Man, God. <laughs> you cannot expect that baby to have discipline if, if you don't. Period. Oh, God. It's, That's it's true. It's not going to happen. And it's not too late to change the narrative. It's yeah. never too late. Every day that we wake up and we have breath in our body, it's 
the um, another opportunity to change the narrative. We're never going to get it all right. Even the things that we know we should do right. We're not. We're human. We're faulty. Extend yourself grace. But you've been graced to raise this baby. Mm. The way we do one thing is the way we do everything. So when we live undisciplined lives, it runs into everything. And the way I was able to do it, I had three babies. When I said three babies, like they were three, two, one, one. Mm. I had stair steps. My mama said, listen, let me tell you, and I'm a literal person. So some stuff just, it didn't dawn on me that she wasn't being literal, but I took a literal. She said to me, um, if you do not teach them how to sit down at home, do not expect them to sit down in church. My ex-husband was a minister and we were pastors. So he was, she said, they're not going to know how to. You are going to fight and struggle the entire service and you are going to miss God for you. So what did I do? Come here, y'all sit down. Y'all going to learn to sit down. 30 minutes, y'all finna sit down. Have a seat. I, get back up there. Oh, nope. Get back up there. I, get. And I taught them to sit down because I was literal. I thought that's what she meant, to practice sitting down. But what that did in terms was my mama could take all three of my children with her. I didn't have to separate them and she couldn't handle all three of my children. Um, or if my ex was in the pulpit, I could sit and I'm like, hey, don't move, sit down. Uh, when I get ready to go, I'll let you know. And because they had practiced this discipline, when we were out in public, they were disciplined. I could take, I used to work in a hair salon. I would get pick my children up it was a second job I would pick my children up get them something to eat get them set and take them to the salon three babies in the salon and I'm doing hair and I was able to do it because I realized that the discipline that they needed I had to teach them that's home training we don't we don't give out home training no more like I was that parent that I spent my kids and quoted scriptures <laughs> <laughs> the rod of correction to keep you out the belly of hell. That was my favorite one. <laughs> but I always wanted to discipline them, not out of my emotions, because that takes discipline. And if I'm angry, I'm not going to beat you. If I'm upset, I'm not going to discipline you. We're going to table it and I'm going to come back and we're going to have a conversation. And then I'm going to decide according to uh, your infraction, what your discipline is going to be. Mm. Mm. I I'm sorry. Look, that, that was good. No, that was good. That Yeah, I feel like I'm having a therapy session right now <laughs> that I'm going to share with the world um, because I know it's other parents out there who are going through this just like me and they need this. But y'all, I mean, as y'all are talking, I'm like blinking real, my big old eyes. I'm trying not to cry like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> But this is so real. It's so real. And I, I, I think for me, I used, you know, the stroke as a crutch 
because I felt like, okay, I had this stroke and she wasn't with me for the first six weeks of her life. So I'm going to give her this good life and we're going to, you know, do all of these things. And, but I forgot about the basics, the home trainings, the, the, you know, if I didn't, if certain behaviors, if I would have tackled at five, I wouldn't be seeing at eight. But I allowed myself to have this guilt trip in my mind of, well, you know, she's 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 still trying to recover from when I wasn't with her for six weeks. That was eight years ago. She is fine. She'll even remember that, you know, (laughs) but but, you know, it's the guilt as a parent of certain boundaries that are necessary, but you didn't learn. And you feel like, well, maybe it's too much, you know, that guilt will stop you from doing what you need to do and it's it's hard so this conversation is uh, profoundly uh, making me think about certain things and i must say that i really really appreciate um um you know your sharings because i i'm a re um, reigniting what i think i am um dearly trying to seek in this society right now that seems to be lacking a lot uh, which is that idea of discipline. And so I have two things that I, I'd like to bring to, to uh, uh, um, awareness. I think it's the uh, one question, which is for me anyways, very impactful, is that I was um, in part um, brought up with by my grandparents in a very strict nature. So, you know, you're at the table, you eat, you do not talk, you sit it's very, very strict, which, you know, I, I, I apply to, not my brother, quite the opposite. But this is what happened with me, is that the boundaries that were established, um, I was able to work within those as a child. And growing up, there was the lack of understanding when authority means your goodwill or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and this I found, like all the program programming I received as boundaries was actually working against me when I was dealing with authority as an adult because authority had power over the gifts that I am entitled to and to uh, embody to the service of, you know, spirit, if you wish, Right. But then you have this figure of authority. And what we see in society, there can be abuse of authority that can be seen as a transfer of boundaries, but they're not boundaries, they're abuse. So how do you make sure as parents that you instill in children the idea of this is a healthy boundary, but it is not because of authority's request upon you. And as a, as a child of God, you are always called to be um, generous in expressing your life. So how do you do that? I think just what you said, Mr. Sterling, we have to discuss again what healthy boundaries are and the expectation of healthy boundaries and what healthy boundaries look like as opposed to someone um, asserting authority under the premise of it being a boundary. 
And I think the earlier we expose our children to these conversations, um, you know, I, I work with children and I often tell people, children perform to the level of our expectation. Children understand a lot more than we give them credit for. And I think at the appropriate time, we have the age appropriate conversation about boundaries. And so uh, Melinda and I, we have these seven and eight year olds. Right now, we set the foundation of boundaries. At seven year old, this is the boundary. At eight or nine, we may revisit this boundary. The language of it may change because I want to make sure you understand what healthy boundaries are and that you aren't, um, if you will, abused in a sense by someone who's um, imposed their authority under the premise of I'm setting this boundary. I I, I believe that it's also... um, the spirit behind it. Uh, Like when it comes to following things at the letter of the law um, or following things at the spirit of the law. So there were a lot of uh, parameters that were put in place for us. Um, That was the, the letter of the law. There was, don't question it. This is how it's going to be. Um, there, there's no discussion. That's like the letter of the law in operations. But the spirit of the law will say to you, yeah, what you cannot do is da-da-da-da-da. Uh, so in teaching our children what boundaries look like, Helping them to identify where is it come, what is where is it coming from? Like, is this the letter or is it the spirit? Like, um, and when my my gift of prophecy came, I see visions. Like, so this is the illustration I just saw. It's like, it's like if if a child does something, you snatch them by the arm. Like that can be viewed as abuse. But if they are about to run out in the street and get hit by a car and you take that same action where you snatch them by the arm, same action, but it saved their life. So it's the spirit that's behind it that will really be the determinant factor as to whether or not this is you loving me or this is you abusing me. Oh my gosh, that was that both of y'all have blown my mind. That was powerful. That was so powerful. Like, man, listen, I feel like I need to hire y'all for for some group parenting sessions because the way y'all have gotten my life together tonight. And, you know, I appreciate so very much you, Mr. Sterling, for being a part of this village, you know. Mm-hmm all the way from Canada, you know, making sure that you set your alarms to be in this village because you have brought so much richness to this conversation and, you know, opened the door to different thoughts and questions that I think I might've had, but I couldn't even articulate 
with such grace. So I thank you. And I thank you, Coach Michelle and Mr. Derek for, for coming on. Like this has been phenomenal. Phenomenal. There are other parents who need this. You know, I have people send me messages. I can't make it on the live, but I really want to listen. Please send it to me. You know, and my little podcast only has about 1,400 listeners, but I'm sure out of that 1,400 is at least two or three single moms or single dads who need this. So I thank you guys for sharing. And as we're wrapping up, I just want to, you know, allow you guys, you know, one or two minute final reflection for parents or, you know, how can we connect with you? Just what do you want us to leave with today as it relates to boundaries and parenting? I want to read this one line from the book and it says developing boundaries in young children is the proverbial ounce of prevention. If we teach responsibility, limit setting, and the delay of gratification early on, the smoother our children's latter years of life will be. The later we start, the harder we and they have to work. Mm. The sooner we start teaching our children about boundaries, the better. The Bible talks about teaching them while they're teachable. If we wait until it's too late, it's like a tree that will snap and bend. And as Michelle said earlier, then they move from children with no boundaries to teenagers with no boundaries, young adults with no boundaries, and eventually parents and adults with no boundaries. So let's teach them while they're teachable. Mm, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, two quick things as um, Mr. Derek was saying, it reminded me and I literally could hear my mom's voice say, uh, you bend a tree while the sap is young. Mm. And when you do it when they're young, like they're able to bend from it. But when we wait till they're older and we bend them, they break. Mm. So, and then the other thing is, you have to know that you are a answer. You, you were sent to the world because you are an answer. We have to teach our children that they are an answer to a problem. And when you know you are the answer, you stop acting like the problem. Wow. Drop the mic. <laughs> I love that. I gotta let that simmer for a minute because I've been acting like a problem. <laughs> all right, my friends, there is really nothing left for me to say. We have said it all here. Our special guests have really blessed us and really given us the nuggets that we need to rise and grow as parents. So thank you again for joining me on this podcast. And I hope to see you here, same time, same place, as we continue on in our boundaries boot camp. Here's a sneak peek from what we'll be talking about in the coming week. I think the conversation about the boundaries that we have today, um, I, I almost think that there should be another uh, another um, set, uh, another uh, conversation as to how can we talk about boundaries, the boundaries of love in this situation in the world now. There is indeed a lot of things going on in our world today. And I hope that 
Our next conversation on boundaries in love will help you navigate the the difficulties and the, the news, everything that we are seeing. My hope, my goal, my wish, my prayer for you is that when you join us in our next episode, you are able to create and maintain healthy boundaries in the world that we live in today. I'll see you soon, my friend. Peace and